your big Hollywood sunglasses and light the torch because it's summer time. Welcome to the Crack Cellar, as the prophecy was once foretold. I'm Two-Spirit Penguin Daniel. And I'm Broadcaster Nichols. And today we're here to talk about my cyberpunk character's giant schlong. Uh, Penis number two is how we refer to. (laughs) Penis number two waves in the wind with authority broadcaster nichols and i didn't appreciate we were number two (laughs) and i feel like you especially can relate as a fellow user (laughs) of penis number two am i right you can't have a dramatic pause in such a statement like that that's not allowed (laughs) the the schlong is very interesting in this game it's very uh up in your face and like they're like yeah we show dicks you know that's what i guess we that's do. a pretty i guess that's a a viewpoint i would expect from a bigot such as yourself <laughs> <laughs> well i noticed that the uh the female anatomy is not nearly as detailed or uh put in your face in this game well spoiler alert for any virgins out there but to be <laughs> honest the male anatomy standing still, like not in action or anything, you know, it, it just, it is what it is, you know, <laughs> but when you're talking about vagina in action, you got to talk about a lot more detail and well, I just don't, it's not aesthetically pleasing for a video game <laughs> to really put in the detail to a vagina, you know? <laughs> no, no, it is not. Because, you know, usually with, like, men, it's just the variances in the length, you know, maybe some testicle size or whatever, you know, but that's about it, right? With a woman, I mean, it can get get diverse, you know? It it can. (laughs) It can. Yeah, it's... It's a wide world of sports out there, Broadcaster Nichols. That was very s- sexist of me. <laughs> I'm sure women would say the same thing about penises. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're... We're only two minutes into this podcast, and we've been problematic multiple times, so we should probably uh, move on to, you know... My birth was problematic. (laughs) The world wasn't ready. (laughs) Used to be a safe place, then Broadcaster Nichols... Technically, my birth was actually problematic. (laughs) (laughs) True, true. And uh, I actually called 911 on the hospital phone because I thought you were murdering our mom when you were born, so that's a true story. After I got older, I found out the actual procedure and everything that goes on. I don't blame you. Yep. Oh, dude. I <laughs> still remember. That's fucking shit right there. <laughs> I still remember the way her scream sounded, dude. And this was when I was five years old. All right. All right. <laughs> it's a crazy thing, man. It's not something I ever heard ever again. And my own wife has given birth, and I was in the birthing room with her. And there wasn't a single noise that she made that was even remotely similar to that so you definitely came into this world with uh quite a demonic legacy it's all right <laughs> as as things progress i will achieve my final form <laughs> so so what do you think about this game so far obamacare you... 2.0 <laughs> i'm glad Listen, you asked <laughs> robo obama has no authority in night city okay 
more than you'll ever know. So I'm only, I'm at Act 2. I just started Act 2. I think you damn near beat the game, right? Like, you're pretty deep in. Uh, yeah. No, I've, I technically have already beat the game and on New Game Plus. Ah. Yeah. So, okay, so your your uh, first impressions are much more in-depth than mine, but uh, without spoiling anything, without going too deep, what do you think about the game? It's hard, you know, like, you don't want to talk a lot of shit about it. You know, it's like, it's like seeing that 10 in your younger life, you know, that one you thought you'd never get. You're like, there's no way I'm ever going to get with her. Right. And you're right. You never are going to get with her. But fast forward 10 years and she's a crack whore on the side of the street and you're doing all right in perspective, you know, <laughs> and you're just like, what? <laughs> you know, distance now. <laughs> that's Cyberpunk 2077 right now. But but like you feel like she could get cleaned up she has a chance you know <laughs> that's how i feel about cyberpunk because honestly it is so bug ridden i've never played a game so bug ridden personally this is the buggiest game that i've ever purchased for triple mm. a money and i've always been i've always heard it offhand you know from youtubers and influencers if you will you know like always talk like fallout 76 was a big one and I just never paid no mind to it really because I didn't I wasn't interested in the game and yada yada. But 2077 is aggravatingly buggy, like to the point where you have to save so much it's it it kind of bums you out. It almost like what's the word for the opposite of immersion? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it de-immerses you or whatever if that's a word. And on top of that there's thing there's so many things in the game that just small things like quality of life things that aren't there and it just seems preposterous that they're not you know like if you go into the menus and you click on an on a tab you know the back there's no back button for the sub menu so you have to hit the tab uh, you have to hit escape and it takes you all the way out or you have to hit the tab that you hit and it takes you all the way back to the main menu. There's no like going one page back right mm -hmm. now. I don't know if it's just a bug with my game or something because I've noticed certain menus do have a back button for the sub pages. But uh, like things like, you know, your own menu, uh, it, it doesn't. And it, it just, it pisses me off so much. <laughs> yeah. It yeah, the interface. Itself. I agree that the interface was garbage in general. Yeah, that there. and the auto save. The, the 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 cars don't work properly. Like to call your car, that thing will sometimes just keep going. Sometimes it will just appear out of nowhere from beneath the ground and blow up and kill you. And then, <laughs> wow, I haven't because, seen that one. <laughs> yeah, because their auto save feature is so shitty that it will literally auto save you dying from the explosion. So then you have to go one manual save or auto save back, which like deletes like 15 to 30 minutes of gameplay. And wow. it's just like, dude, like <laughs> how many times these are bugs that you should not allow to leave the studio at all. These are like critical bugs that are, is, you know, and this isn't like, we're not talking about the PS4 or Xbox copy, by the way, this is a PC copy that's on a 1060. But nonetheless, it's not like I'm playing it on 4K max settings. I got this super low just so I can get above 30 frames, you know, stable. I think I usually get above 45. 
and it's it's garbage. It's just, but it's a great story. And underneath everything of that, everything I just said, it's a great game. Like when the game's running smoothly for that half an hour to an hour you're playing, and you you forgot about all the bugs, it's an awesome game. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I I really liked Act One. I think that if the rest of the game is on the same quality as Act One, then it's going to be one of my favorite games of the year for sure. But yeah, the interface is garbage. I haven't run into nearly as many bugs as you, but it's probably just because I'm much earlier than you are in the game. Uh, but man, I'll just say to anyone right now that hasn't played it yet and hasn't watched any trailers for it or anything, don't watch any trailers because Broadcaster Nichols basically had Act 1 spoiled for him because he watched all of the promotional stuff that came out before the game came out. I Years think. before the game came out. Yeah, I didn't watch any of that, and I go into Act 1, and I'm shocked multiple times. There's multiple plot twists I had no idea about. I'm just like, damn, this is some good shit. And then I talk to you, and you're like, oh, I already knew everything that you just said from a trailer that came out three years ago. It's not really- I can tell you right now, if I knew all that shit, I wouldn't have enjoyed Act 1 even half as much. Yeah, well, I just it's like the whole mar- half, more than like 80% of the marketing for this game was Keanu Reeves' Johnny Silverhand. Yeah. And his his premiere as playing Johnny Silverhand was him picking you up in the junkyard. Right. That's literally him being premiered. He's like, get up, samurai. <laughs> right. And I did see that, but I had no context of what that was. So by the time I got to the game, like it really didn't it didn't yeah. it didn't do anything. So like I'm I'm fine with watching that, but like the fact that you knew certain deaths were going to happen and the fact that you knew certain betrayals were going to happen in advance i'm just sitting here like dude well what that if someone same, described game of thrones season same, one as saying the same uh, spoiler premiere, alert, ned stark dies like what the fuck dude the main, the main difference is is that when they premiered that they premiered what i'm telling you about as well like if you would have kept watching they showed like 10 15 minutes of gameplay with keanu reeves on the stage and it literally like spoils like the whole first what is it 15 minutes of the game 20 minutes of the game yeah yeah that's that's a bad move uh and i think that this game has been riddled by bad moves from upper management i think that the game developers and the the people behind the game didn't get enough time to finish it and you can clearly see that an amazing game was here. They just didn't have enough time. And you can clearly see that the upper people made bad decision after bad decision, forcing things, showing spoilers on stages to get hype. It's There are a lot of bad decisions from the upper management of CD Projekt Red, and I don't think that they'll ever recover yeah. their image. After they this. also, you know, without... This is the other thing, because I don't want to shit on the game too much, because it's really good. I'm just going to say this. If you're going in to cyberpunk thinking it's this really super immersive rpg with this living city and stuff it's not it's not it's really not it's grand theft auto with a cyberpunk universe that's what it is Mm -hmm. you get the same side jobs on your cell phone you know you get the same or same like minuscule side jobs on your phone you know you get little crimes that you can beat up, like take care of on the street. You know, it's the same type of driving and city layout as Grand Theft Auto, same type of mini map. You know, like I got huge Grand Theft Auto vibes as soon as I played this game. And I think, even though I think it is a great game, 
before I ever played it and what my expectations were for this game. And I know a lot of expectations out there were very lofty, but that being said, they build this game is a lot more immersive. Like I remember I have this trauma team comic, right? That came out before the game launched. It's kind of telling you about trauma team and stuff like that. And my whole playthrough through the game, I didn't see trauma team besides like the very first part of the game. They are not even a part of the game. You just hear about them, right? You just hear about this insurance program people have, but they're super cool. And like, there's no side quests with them really. And I just, I was like, man, I really thought this was going to be a way more diverse game where if you're a cyber, if you're like, say a net runner, you know, mm-hmm. like it is critical for you to not be like, you're not a brawler. You're not a gun dude. You know, you're not some slick, cool guy. You're a net runner. You, everything you do in the game relies on your expertise through technical or uh, through uh, cyberware. And it's not like that. No. Like I spec'd for intelligence and um, technical and I literally still got the best guns in the game. I do enough damage and have enough defense to pretty much mow down anybody. And it's like that's not a net runner. Like, you're playing on hard mode too, right? I'm playing on very hard mode. Mm. I thought it yeah. was just hard and then like max hard. So are you on the maximum hard? Yeah, I'm on max hard, very hard. Oh, oh shit. I'm just on regular yeah. hard. Okay. Yeah, well, I found out very hard increases the experience you get from kills. So if you play on very hard mode and just kind of like cheese your way through encounters, like stay back and snipe and stuff, mm-hmm. you overall just get more experience in your playthrough. Yeah. So you level up faster. Yeah, it's just I'll, like okay well <laughs> i'll probably do that on my second playthrough when i finally get the mythical 3080 and here's the other thing you know this goes to the immersion thing a lot of the stuff in the game doesn't seem to matter like at mm. all i didn't seem i didn't want to believe it when i was hearing like some of the more controversial journalist reviews i would say you know where it just didn't sound like they were even playing they never played an rpg and didn't know how to review one but they are kind of ha- more than half right. Like a lot of the stuff is just kind of meh. Like hmm. there's no point in doing it. Once you get a badass fucking weapon, you can literally mow down everybody. All the clothes in the game are uh, you, like there's no vanity system. System. All the gear in the game has the stats it has and it's random roll at that so it's just like it almost has the destiny effect going on where you just constantly look like a hobo (laughs) even though you're teased with these really cool clothing aesthetics and stuff in the trailers and and what other people are wearing and stuff like Mm -hmm. that and you're like how do i look that badass i played the whole game through and i look like a fucking idiot yeah i did i just look like a fucking idiot and it's just like again another empty checkbox for immersion (laughs) yeah i know i I got to a certain point in the game where like i had to upgrade leg armor to a dress because the leg armor was like four times better than what i'd equipped but all i was finding was dresses and i'm sitting here like are you fucking shitting me right now another bug in the game i'm pretty sure because why are you getting female clothing if you're like why are you getting the opposite gender clothing yeah oh because they're very they're woke man that's why it's a virtue signal I really don't think that's it. I'm pretty, I mean, you're that could that'd be super progressive and I would be surprised, but at the same time, I think it's a bug. I just think it's another one of their numerous bugs in the game. Hmm. 
Maybe. I'm a, I think I'm a little more cynical and, uh, I've just seen, I've seen some trends in this game where it's, they're not going cynical. full on. You'd be giving a massive benefit of the doubt in that one, brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's the opposite, dude. They, they don't like in my experience so far, they haven't gone full on SJW or anything, but there is a, well, the game's super not, I mean, yeah. not woke. But it's there is not- a there is a weird undercurrent in certain aspects. Like uh, there's a billboard in the city of I think it's like a Coke, like some sort of Coca Cola thing, and it has like a female prostitute with a giant schlong in her fucking you know crotch area, which is like okay. Yeah. I'm like okay, but that's cyberpunk. That's I so cyberpunk. It. That was that was cyberpunk before it was actually a reality. If you get what I'm saying, you know, like yes, but it feels <laughs> like they purposely make it so you really see the bulge, and they they like really are. I think that's like funny. They're, they're really trying to put it in your face, and it reminds me of like, Always Sunny. Hey, no bulge, you got the surgery. <laughs> I just feel like they really make it a point to push the the trans stuff and the gay stuff very hard in this game i feel like not not that there isn't straight stuff too and they do represent everything and i'm okay like i don't care really about this i just i just feel a very small tinge of we're gonna kind of push in a direction just subtly enough to where people don't call us on it but we're definitely trying to kind of nudge in a certain direction but maybe i'm crazy i don't know I mean, the first time I ever heard the concept of a man being in a woman's body or vice versa was cyberpunk, like mm-hmm. literally. And then I heard the term a lot later on in my life and they were talking about it in a lot more ridiculous of a manner, in my opinion. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> so it's definitely like, when appropriate. You talk, yeah. yeah. So it's like, I don't, cyberpunk has like this defense almost. It's like, man, I was talking about this shit. I was, it was, it's like a kid like not wanting to talk about because they were talking it's cool now you know they're like i don't like it because you guys talk about it now (laughs) you know cyberpunk's that kid (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's very subtle i just i don't know i feel like there's a slight undercurrent that's i mean i don't i don't really mind it the game is so visually exotic and um what's the other word I'm looking for? Um, just kind of it's, it just, it saturates you with um, the taboo nature of the human mind, you know, like everything inside cyberpunk is some taboo aspects that we just really keep in the shadows and it's amplified in cyberpunk, you know, like down to, the makeup that females and males wear Mm -hmm. to the clothing, everything's neon colored. All the cars are even if the, all the junkers, you know, they, they have outward pipes and exhaust and like these giant hood swoops and stuff like that. And the, the nice cars, you know, they have interior, they have white carpet with blue neon lights and stuff like that. So it's, it's also extravagant, you know, like I feel like that's kind of, I don't know. Cyberpunk's. It, I, I think that's why cyberpunk has always been so appealing to people for so long is because like y- you, li- you just is the only universe where you could actually be anything you wanted. And it had stats. There was a book out there that gave you stats. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like it's the sci-fi for D and D. 
Yeah. You know, so it's like you you just you if you if you were like if you liked video games at all, if you like stats and you're into RPGs and you find cyberpunk and you were even on the outskirts or the fringe of uh of what was socially acceptable in reality, it's probably pretty appealing to you. So I have no doubt you'd see a chick with a giant dong. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, gameplay wise, what do you think? It's let. It's a letdown. Hmm. It's just kind of not impressive. It's not groundbreaking. Nothing in the game is groundbreaking. Nothing in the game is groundbreaking. <laughs> it's cool looking. It's promising, has a lot of promise, but interesting. Nothing it, like it comes off as like, holy shit! Games going forward are going to copy this mechanic, or like they're going to take this aspect, or they're going to like jack this from the skill tree system, or um, you know, they're going to build maps like this, or there's none of that. You don't get any of those sensations from this game. <laughs> Well, sounds like you're a little bit more down on it than I am, and you I'm absolutely more of down. it. So uh, that's kind of worrisome, but uh, should make for an interesting review when we uh, get to that early next year. In the meantime, <laughs> broadcaster Nichols, are you ready to get to our preview of Matt Shockman's WandaVision? I'm proud to be a Marvel fan. What's that? You want more crack seller? <laughs> this is good. Join your lords on Twitter at the crack seller and Facebook.com slash the crack seller. Hey, you over there. Are you a straight up Chad or a strong woman? Well, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and your favorite podcasting app. Or if you're a straight up beta cuck, find us on YouTube with the rest of the cloud chasers. And we're back with our preview of Matt Shackman's WandaVision. Broadcaster Nichols, what in the hell is this? You are now speaking to the Marvel fanboy known as Fat Cat Nichols. I know nothing about this. <laughs> <laughs> so you've never seen the comics this is based on? No, I'm fucking with you. So uh, I think... I think, based on only my, you know, ace-level intellect, that it's based on a comic book run of The Vision called Vision by Tom King, where um, if you know the lore of Vision at all in the canon, some things went down with him and uh, Wanda, um, Red or Scarlet Witch, I should say. They had a kid, yada yada yada. It's all backstory and this stuff. It's weird because he, you know everyone knows he's a synth and she's a real human who's a witch that got powers from, or she's Magneto's kid that got her powers from a deep because she was born above the burial site of a demon, I think something like that. Not Mephisto. It might be Mephisto. I'm not sure. I think it is actually Mephisto. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was just the hand of Mephisto was buried beneath her. I can't remember. It's all like old school stuff, but nonetheless, 
that's all backstory. This takes place in this suburbia um, setting where the vision has a perfect robot family, a, so, uh, a mother or a wife, a son and a daughter and a dog. They're all robots and they live in a human suburb. Hmm. But yeah, like, but anyways, it's, if you read the comic I'm talking about this, this run by Tom King, it's, it's heavy kind of freakish suburbia, like perfect family things hidden underneath the surface type shit. People losing their cool, <laughs> you know, killing people, hide dead bodies in the closet type shit, you know? When I saw WandaVision, I immediately got like some old school 1960s, 1970s sitcom style. Well, maybe not that late. It might have been 70s, 80s style sitcom. And uh, mixed with my own, my only, I should say, uh, dive into the vision verse, if you will, <laughs> which is the Tom King's run. And I immediately so- picked up on it. Like I was just like, oh, this feels like they're trying to do the fan, like vision, trying to make a family thing work where so, all so this Avenger did, buddies told him it didn't work. You did read the comics then the, the, this comic series that you're talking about. If it's called vision and it was a 2015 to 2016 run. Yeah. I own it. I was very, I, I was, I but loved you're not, it. You're not sure if this TV series is that based off the trailers. Well, that's why I said loosely based on it, because hmm. one, for instance, like an obvious difference right off the bat is Wanda being the wife. Now, Scarlet Witch in the comics is just a huge part of Vision's character to begin with. Anybody that picks up a comic and continually buys a series of uh, or issues of a series would know that that if you're talking about vision or if, if the storyline's primarily about vision, then Wanda's probably going to come up. Right. So that's why Wanda's in that run of comics. I'm talking about, she's relative, like she's in that series, but she's not the mom. It's another synth that he made. He made his own family in this oh, run. I'm talking about, he has a robot daughter, a son, a wife and a dog. And so Wanda is already like Wanda and his relationship is past tense and he's dealing with it mentally. Mm. He's trying to like, it's like he's trying to build something better in this comic. Whereas in this series, he's clearly, it looks like he's doing what he was doing with his family in Tom King's comic, but with Wanda. Mm. It seems like it's based on something that exists overall. Also comics have taken a completely different form over the time. Like stories used to, Certain stories for characters used to span over multiple runs of different groups of, you know, like you get a certain character storyline and issue something of Avengers and then something issue of X-Men. This isn't true, but like just as an example in X-Men, then in, you know, some other character story. So and then they changed that. Then solo runs started happening where you get like characters were so popular from certain groups that they would warrant their own run, but they would have to be really fucking popular. <laughs> like, like Batman, you know, I mean like Gambit too soon. Yeah. To me, this, this show, I watched both the trailers and to me, it felt like bewitched essentially, but with this weird, like, like you were talking about like suburban panic sort of vibes it felt like bewitched with suburban panic vibes and there was a little Mork and Mindy in there because it felt like in a way 
Vision was playing like the goofy alien that the the wife was like, oh no, it's a normal guy. It's not an alien. It's kind of what Mork and Mindy was like with Robin Williams back in the eighties. But also the way that the the world seems to guy like, glitch out. Like there's conversations where people start repeating themselves, yeah. and there's like little glitches in the walls and stuff. It yeah. also gives Matrix vibes a little bit. Yeah. So. This seems like a really out there TV show and not what I expected from the next Marvel offering at all. <laughs> For sure. I remember when they first announced all the shows like a couple years back when they were like, we're going to have a Hawkeye show. We're going to do Wanda and Vision. We're going to do what else did they have. They were going to do a, a, a Winter Soldier and the Falcon show. And I was just like, man, that all looks fucking lame as shit. And then the fucking WandaVision trailer drops. I'm like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's surprising. I, I had no idea about this. I'd never heard of it. It wasn't on my radar at all. And then you sent it to me. I'm like, whoa, what the fuck yeah. did I just watch? I think, you know, if you would have got to me a year ago, I would have said Disney Plus is dead on arrival like all these streaming services are just going downhill but disney plus out of all of them whoever is behind the um, acquiring of or not the acquiring because everything that's on there is already owned by disney but whoever is like picking and choosing what goes on is good at their job like really good at their job yeah because you see that they're uploading dinosaurs mm-hmm I'm like, as soon as I thought that I was, I saw that I was like, dude, I haven't seen dinosaurs in so long. And then my next thought was how many people my age just saw that ad and they're like, I need to get Disney plus just to watch the show. I watched when I was fucking eight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the funny thing, genius. <laughs> the funny thing about dinosaurs too, is that it's such an old show that if you go on the internet and you go through, let's just say, shady means to acquire videos, you can't really find good quality versions of dinosaurs out there. It's because the airing of the show stopped so early. Yeah. Like, it didn't, yeah, like, I don't so, think it went past 97, 98. Yeah. Like, I don't remember. I'm, I'm sure that people, like, I'm, someone's eventually going to rip the Disney Plus version and put it on the internet, too, illegally, and you will be able to get it like that someday soon. But just the fact that Disney Plus was like, we're going to take the show that came out, like, I don't know, it must have been, like, 1991 or something, way before HD, that just stopped airing way before HD came out and never got any, like, HD revivals ever, as far as I know. For them to revive the show and bring it back in HD... It makes it new. It makes it something new again, which is a very genius strategy for streaming services. Because, like, could you imagine? Let's just use Stargate SG One as an example. So that's back on Netflix right now. That's a show that we both grew up watching right before HD happened. Like, it's a show that just barely predates HD. It was shot digitally, low res. It <sighs> HD versions don't exist of it. They never will. It's a really sad story. A low res, but high soul. All high right, soul, let's be real. <laughs> but imagine if some streaming service came out and all of a sudden they just drop SG one in Blu Ray quality, which is happening. There, seriously, there's an SG one Blu Ray box set coming out next month. It wasn't shot on film though. There is no HD footage of it. I don't know how they're doing it, but it's happening. Oh, they must be using some of that like upscaling, crazy upscaling tech well, that have you watched SG, Have you watched SG One on Netflix specifically yet? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't I'm think the new? Two. 
you don't think the new episodes are better looking? No, 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 no. I have Dude, the, I, I have maybe the DVD so long, set. but no, I, I watched the, the first season. I was like, oh man, I remember this looking a lot shittier. These like bad copies of the Blu-ray no, that's about to come out. That's because you watch <laughs> them on a shitty TV, not uh, because of the source true, material. Yeah. I own. Uh, I own the season one and season two box sets, DVD box sets of SG one that came out like as it was airing. So like year 2000, you know what I'm saying? I watched both those box sets fucking so many times, like dozens maybe, and dozens of times. Maybe so, they just spent a lot of money to like polish the footage up. I'll tell you right now, the Netflix version is exactly the DVD version that I've watched every time. Like it's exactly the same. Interesting. Yeah, because I got an ad to buy to to buy the, the pre-order the Blu-ray box set, so I know this is real. I didn't dream this or whatever. <laughs> well, there is and, crazy upscaling tech that they're developing right now that I've seen like examples of that look really good. So maybe they're doing something like that. Uh, I'm not sure though, possible? but I know for a fact that SG One was shot on digital at low resolution. There is no HD native resolution footage of SG One that exists pre season six. So in season six, they went to Sci Fi Channel and they started filming in HD. But before that, it was all low res digitally shot. <laughs> Man, I wonder if it's just a fucking uh, a grift. They're just going to be like Blu-ray copies, and it's just going to be shitty versions for the first five what mm-hmm. five seasons. Yep. When did they go over to Showtime and start actually doing? Yeah, all the Showtime seasons, so one through five, are all shot yeah. digital low res. Okay, yeah, there you go. So I bet you that's what it's going to be, dude. They're just going to fucking gut you for five seasons and then be like, check out what we did in season six through nine. <laughs> six through ten, actually. Or six through ten. How season about ten season is 10? like the cursed season. That yeah, it's so remembers. sad. I, want, I always want to forget about it. Right. Well, it's getting like back parents to... splitting up. <laughs> getting back to WandaVision. Uh this looks like it's going to be an epic mindfuck of a show. Do you get that impression as well? Yeah. I mean, it's the only one I'm stoked for so far. I don't think we've seen anything so far trailer wise from the other two Hawkeye and uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon series. But just well, with on the characters alone, I'm not I'm not too excited. <laughs> no broadcaster Nichols, that is because you are a class A bigot. We talking about dude Hawkeye's a white male. I'm totally allowed to hate him as a fellow white male. That gets me uh BIPOC points, right? Am I allowed to say that? Listen, cut <laughs> Captain Marvel 2 will come out again and 7076 will commence again when that movie hits the theaters. And then Winter Soldier is about a fucking black dude that literally has wings. That's freedom as fuck right there. (laughs) And a white dude who's missing an arm that's handicapped as fuck. Like, I mean, how do you not see the symbolism? (laughs) (laughs) I see the symbolism as clear as fucking day to me. (laughs) Oh shit. So, so what do you think? do Do you think that this is kind of like a Legion style show like because i hope it is i i I got distinct impression that this is more that sort of take i know it's i know it's never gonna be as fucky as legion i don't think anything's gonna be able to quite get as fucky as legion as far as marvel ip goes ever again but this might be their attempt you know it it sure looks like it yeah man that'd be cool if 
Ah, dude. Well, I mean, what's your take on the fact that there are multiple time periods shown in the trailers? Like, this obviously isn't all bewitched 1960s. They also go to the 70s, then they go to the 80s. I think they go to the 90s and the 2000s as well. Like, it seems like they go to every decade since our parents were kicking it, you know, as kids. Yeah. That's what it well, seems I, like. Well, it could be one of two things. I mean, obviously, Wanda could be using time travel magic of some kind, or it could just be like a simulation of vision. Who's like, he's like running these routines. For instance, here's, this is just me off the cuff thinking like if someone came to me and said, what, what, what do you think the storyline of this is? I would say it looks like just based on my comic knowledge, vision running simulations of how to keep Wanda in his life before she leaves him mm. because, of, because in the trailer, it kind of looks like Wanda, like these characters are kind of like telling Wanda to like wake up or like snap out of it or like, you know, kind of like, what are you doing? Like you get those vibes, like Wanda's dreaming or something like that. And there's these glitches in reality and vision comes off as kind of just like this perfect husband type guy, you know? So I'm thinking maybe this might be like some nightmarish plan of vision. There might be some mind fuck. Who knows? You know, mm-hmm. that Tom King comic was quite the mind fucked in its mind fucking itself. So interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm just glad they're focusing on an actual good female superhero for once and not trying <laughs> to force more Brie Larson down our throats. <laughs> I'm sure that's coming in about eight She got now, a but... Disney. No, you didn't hear. Did she rumors... get canceled? Yeah, rumors are she got axed as her character. Oh, They're gonna because let that be true. Because like this is all rumors or whatever, but supposedly because the X Men characters are coming in, they're gonna bring Rogue in, and in the Ooh. in the and in the comics, we all know that Rogue yep. steals Captain Marvel's powers and puts mm-hmm. her in a fucking coma. So that might be a way to kind of get Brie Larson <laughs> off camera. <laughs> I, dude, I hope I hope they make Brie Larson play the role as Rogue <laughs> is putting that bitch in a coma. That is the only time I ever want to see Brie Larson again. Is the Rogue only thing that would be better is if she refused and they had the rights to her likeness <laughs> somehow for the character and they CGI'd that bitch in the movie oh. and they're like, guess what, bitch? <laughs> You're going to be in there no matter what. <laughs> yeah, and as we know, uh, CGing characters in is now a trend in uh, multiple Indeed. ways. And, uh, <laughs> that being said, broadcaster Nichols, do you give Matt Shockman's WandaVision a thumbs up, a thumbs down, or the dreaded side thumb? <sighs> I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about thumbs with uh, females and in, in, in IPs and stuff like that. That's <laughs> it's kind of hot. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give it two side thumbs. Oh shit! Two side thumbs. Usually, I'm the one side thumbing the Marvel <laughs> shit, and it, I think we're reversing our roles today because I'm going to give this a thumbs up. I, I looked at these two trailers multiple times. I'm just like, hot damn. I wasn't excited I'm, for anything Marvel, and then this shows up. I'm like, I'm fucking psyched for this. This looks sick. Well, I'm skeptical of anything Disney. Yeah. Just because they got Mandalorian right doesn't mean I'm going to fucking drop my guard. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, that being said, speaking of the Mandalorian, broadcaster Nichols, would you like to get to our review of John Favreau's The Mandalorian Season 2? My body is ready.
And we're back with our review of John Favreau's The Mandalorian Season 2. And the creator describes it as the following. The Mandalorian and the child continue their journey, facing enemies and rallying allies as they make their way through a dangerous galaxy in the tumultuous era after the collapse of the Galactic Empire. Broadcaster Nichols, can you believe that the production values actually went up in Season 2, after Season 1 was so high budget to begin with? I think it's just going to go up. You don't think Season 3 is going to have even more? I mean, if they do, then they're like starting to like flirt with like the Avengers movie style budget. You know what I'm saying? Like we're getting really high on the hog here. Well, no, you have to remember that uh, Mandalorians using a revolutionary new like green screen style tech where they can do like really cool environments on like a green screen style small room environment like it, like it, they're the first series to do it huh. like they're. So when it's yeah, so I think they're able to actually make this quality of film on a lot lower budget than you think. Well, if that's true, I think a lot of their money goes to uh, actors and actresses. (laughs) Well, if that's true, then I expect every single TV show from now on to have Mandalorian style effects. Then, (laughs) and I don't think think that's going to happen. I remember remember when Mandalorian season one capped. Uh, it's that every that's when I found someone wrote an article about the tech that they were using and they were I think they referenced another series that was about to use it because of how successful Mandalorian was and it wasn't even a Disney show so I mean hmm. who knows I wouldn't be surprised if Star Trek Discovery used it I've been watching uh was it season three yeah season three of Star Trek Discovery and it's much, much, much better than seasons one and two. And one of the main differences is that they're going to different types of planets all the time. And they have amazing looking effects for like these planets that they're going to. Like, it's just like Mandalorian. You Mandalorian, you have this huge variety of environments and sets. And you're just like this. It never gets stale, right? Because the Mandalorian is moving and you're just always getting this new cool stuff every time. Star Trek Discovery kind of feels the exact same way, so I wouldn't be surprised if that was the show that that decided to steal it. Yeah, I think the main I think the main takeaway is is that you just they're not working with static environments anymore. Yeah, definitely, it's a it's amazing looking show. It it looks better if whatever tech they're using, if they're doing it with a lower budget somehow. All that aside. If you just side-by-side look at the Disney trilogy that just wrapped up and you compare it to Mandalorian Season 2, you would actually think Mandalorian Season 2 had the higher budget, which is crazy. Yeah. it. I don't know. In certain ways, you know, like, for instance, there's certain characters that we'll talk about in the spoiler section where the budget of the show kind of shows. You know, mm. I, I, in, my, in my own interesting perspective, you know, certain characters make up and uh, um, also. I don't know how to say this because I, I see it in low budget movies and series. And the only way I can describe it is people's clothing not fitting right. 
It doesn't look like, even though they're wearing it and somehow they're moving around in it, it just looks off. Hmm. And sometimes I look at the Mandalorian armor. It's funny I'm saying this because I really love the show, but sometimes I'll just see the Mandalorian in certain scenes and stuff, and I'll be like, that helmet just looks really big in that scene on him. Hmm. And I don't know if it's the, the the body double that plays him or something, or maybe he has a big head, so maybe that helmet is bigger for him than it is for the scenes that truly, uh, what's-his-name is playing, uh, Pedro is playing in. That's an interesting observation. I didn't notice that at all. Yeah, and but with other characters too, like I don't know, like when you watch movies like um, the Star Wars, the newest Star Wars movies, even though they're just terrible storyline in my opinion, you can see that the money is in there, like all the wardrobe and the makeup and the special effects. It's just dialed; it's in. And don't get don't get me wrong, Mandalorian has it almost all the way there, but I think they're just like a half of a fucking notch off. Like there's just certain scenes and angles where I'm just like, yeah, that was that was a little low budget, or there's like a certain actor that they got that they thought might, may have you know been good in I on paper, but then they actually did the scene, and you could just tell that that was the best take they could get, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like <laughs> so interesting. interesting. Yeah. Uh... Also, Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda, like the first season and like the first half of the second season, it didn't really hit me. But towards like the end of the second season, when especially, well, I don't want to really say anything, but when you see Baby Yoda towards the end of the last, the, the second season, you see his mannerisms. And maybe it's just because there's a gap between when you saw him, but seeing him do the same kind of weird head shake mannerisms. It, it made me realize that he's very limited in movement. Like he's not actually a really uh, complicated animatronic. So I don't think. So do you, okay. That's a, that's a great uh, point right there. Do you think baby Yoda is a practical effect or you think he's CG? He's a practical effect. He is. Okay. I oh, no sure doubt. Because CG has gotten really good as we'll discuss in our spoiler section. Well, he might CG have a CG makeup. Very over good. Him. Yeah. But, I, I think I'm with you. I think he is practical, especially in certain shots. Maybe, you know what, now that I say that, maybe some shots he's practical and some shots he's CG. I don't know. I think I think CGI is applied in a lot more practical terms nowadays. You know, oh, like, sure. you know, like there doesn't have to be full CG. I have no doubt they put CGI effects over the animatronic version of Baby Yoda. So... Like mm-hmm. at certain points, like uh, there's a certain episode where he actually does like a full walk towards something in an open environment and you see him interacting with snow on the ground. And I mm-hmm. think that's an animatronic. I think mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's animatronic. Interesting. Yeah, I might be wrong. Sure. Who knows? Not sure about that. You're the first person to make me question that because I was like, damn, maybe it is that good a CGI. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're in the uncanny valley now for sure. Like you see CG now and you're like, you do a little double take. You're like, Oh fuck. That's, that's CG. But Oh my God. Like, damn. Speaking of like, damn, the soundtrack to this season was stellar. What'd you think about the soundtrack? Because especially in the second half of the season, I thought it it was just killer. It was, it was a really good soundtrack. I think that's what, that's kind of the secret sauce to Mandalorian. Mm Mm-hmm. I remember you said we were talking about this earlier in the week, but you're like, 
as the days, as it gets closer and closer to Friday, you know, you start hearing the Mandalorian song in your, uh, in your head. And it was, and you were comparing it to game of Thrones. You're just like, that's how, you know, it's good because the game of Thrones song would start chanting in your head as it got closer and closer to the weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the only show that's done that to me, except for game of Thrones. It does have all the tracks are catchy though. You know? Oh yeah. The town music is, is catchy. The engagement music is catchy. The intro music, the main theme, everything. Well, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but the final episode of the season had some of its own unique music that wasn't in the rest of the show. And it was really good. Like it was the final battle music was dope. Oh man. Like, uh, yeah, that's all I'll say without getting spoilers. (laughs) Yeah. But, but that being said, season two fully embraces the arc format. Do you agree? Like it, season one yes. felt like it was like a, they were kind of embracing it, but they also had some bottle episodes. I feel like season two had zero bottle episodes. I don't know if you want to disagree with me on that, but I feel like season two, every single episode was about the arc. Um, I think episode two arguably is the only episode where you could say it's kind of in a bottle because it was an episode. It funny enough, when you talk about every episode being on a different planet in this season, it was the only episode that did take place on its own unique planet, but it was about getting from point the the last episodes location to the, the episode after the second ones. So it was like a transition episode. <laughs> well, and, in that yeah. way, it's a bottle because nothing really mattered that happened in the episode, really. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you could kind of make that argument, but still, like, the point of the episode is that they are still kind of going in the direction of the arc. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't like, ah, uh, this yeah. is just some side story that has nothing to do with the arc. They were participating in the arc in this episode. Yeah. But I know what you're just- saying. Yeah, but just because every other episode it was just a time, it's just a time skip to the next planet, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, that episode kind of sticks out to me, like as yeah. why did they like every episode is a time skip to the next location, but that episode in particular was pretty much yeah. an episode talking about the type of time skip that would happen. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a testament to the show because more things happen in this one season than happens in ten seasons of other shows I've seen. And that's with what you're talking about right now, where they're like time skipping between planets and shit. Like they're literally doing skips in this season to a quite a heavy extent, but you still feel like so much shit happens. Yeah. I feel like you got like at least five seasons worth of like TV series bomb drops in Mm -hmm. one season of Mandalorian. Basically. dude. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and there's some major emotional swings in this show, too. Like, if you're an old-school Star Wars fan and you watch Season 2 of Mandalorian, there are going to be some moments where you might tear up a little bit. <laughs> there there are some sure. moments. Uh, multiples, too. Not just one. There are multiples. But there's one in specific that we're going to talk about in the spoilers section a lot, I'm guessing. That you're, you're just like, as an old-school Star Wars fan, you're just like, this is what it was all leading up to. Yeah, dude. John's like, he's like, if I get him, if if I if I'm doing this, 
I get to do this. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's in yeah. the contract. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he took star. He's took star Wars by the balls in this season. He literally just grabbed the ball sack of star Wars and took it. Like he, he is not playing around with season two. This is his vision. He wrote almost every episode of this season. The ones that he didn't write, he either directed or he was heavily involved in. Like John Favreau has a passion for this, this John, not maybe not this genre. He has a passion for Star Wars that is exactly what you want from the person in charge of making Star Wars. No doubt. I'm, I could, yeah. It's Mandalorian has turned out to be probably one of the best, the best thing to happen in star Wars since the original trilogy. I think, you know, like Mm -hmm. I like the prequel trilogy a lot. Mm -hmm. I like the games, you know, like Knights of the old Republic and stuff like that. But I think Mandalorian is the most healthy, biggest boon to the star Wars IP in a very long time. Other than Rogue One, because everyone seems to really like Rogue One, and I like Rogue One too. But I, I think Mandalorian has garnered so much positive attention that it's almost making people forget about the controversy of the last trilogy. Oh, it totally is, dude. And so, anyone who's watching Mandalorian right now and just finished season two has a glow right now. And they're like, oh, yeah, Star Wars yeah. is back. We're all good. Everything's good. Star Wars is back. Yeah, I totally see that. Like, it's so crazy how Jon Favreau just he drew battle lines with the Disney trilogy. He just straight up drew battle lines. He he declared some things and he said, I'm canon, bitch, not you, <laughs> me. And you can see that several times within the show where he does things where you either question what happened in the Disney movies or you straight up retconned it. And we'll talk about that more in the spoiler section, but there are some decisions he made where he straight up retconned some stuff and even set up some things for maybe season three, where they're totally going to retcon the Disney trilogy. This was not a Rion Johnson sort of, we're, we're boys. John Favreau and Rian Johnson are clearly not boys based off of The Mandalorian because he thumbed his nose at that style of Star Wars in this season of Mandalorian. Yeah. It, it's funny because I know what you're talking about. And then there's also other things that John seemed to get away with in the series way better than any other Disney impl- implementation I've seen in the past three years. So mm. <laughs> yeah. it's quite shocking how well he played it off. I picked up on it. Like I saw what he was doing. Don't get me wrong. I was any, any regular dude <laughs> would see what's going on. But <laughs> at the same time, you're just like, wow, this isn't like absolutely cringy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who would have guessed that the co-star from 1990s Swingers with Vince Vaughn would save Star Wars? Who would have thunk it? (laughs) I think that's the only cameo. I think that's one of John's fucking trump cards, dude. (laughs) He's going to make a Swingers connection in Mandalorian, (laughs) and fans are going to freak the fuck out. Oh, shit. Vince Vaughn's going to, like, like, (laughs) going to appear... (laughs) <laughs> it's gonna be some like shady fucking Merc or something. 
Well, I'm peddling DVDs from old 19, 19 or uh, 21st century television shows. You want to take a look? <laughs> well, broadcaster Nichols, before we get to our spoiler section, what do you have to say to the weary fan that's like, I watched season one of Mandalorian, but I'm just not convinced. And I'm guessing there's like one person on the planet who thinks that maybe. So let, talk to that guy. Be like, Tell him what you think of season two and if you recommend it to him or her. Well, it's going to be easy. I don't talk to people like that. (laughs) I got to try to convince you (laughs) to watch Mandalorian at this point. I I mean, you might be cool, but I'll never know. (laughs) Yeah, to me, this is the best show on television right now. By far, it is the best Star Wars property since Revenge of the Sith, without even a question. There is no debate. If you bring a debate to me, I will fucking smack it down like Dikembe Mutombo in the playoffs against the Supersonics. And uh, this is the new Game of Thrones. We're we're watching the new Game of Thrones, and it's Star Wars. It's somehow it's Star Wars. <laughs> the only and- thing good to come out of 2020. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I, I, for me, season two of Mandalorian is one of the best seasons of television of all time. I think it is amazing, and I can't recommend it enough to anyone, period, for any reason. So, uh, that being said, Broadcaster Nichols, are you ready to get into the spoiler section? Let's do it. Broadcaster Nichols, episode one felt like the first movie in a new trilogy. A new trilogy? I don't know. I'm hoping that I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. We're talking about episode <laughs> one right now, and I don't want to jump all the way to episode 10. That's what we do but, in this show. We do it every single time we review a TV show. We always go straight to the finale. It's our thing. Just because you do something, just because your behavior is bad, doesn't mean you want to try to do it. I'm trying to be better here. This whole episode one just felt like a movie. It was really in-depth, and it just had a lot of shit going on. And when it was over, the way it dramatically finished with uh, Mando almost dying with the whole like Trojan horse Bantha thing and then miraculously coming out of that. That was just such an epic way to end an episode. It felt sort of like the first movie in a new trilogy to me. For sure. They definitely knew how to start the, the second season off with a bang. And they definitely had <laughs> it was just the right ratio. They had a really good actor using Boba Fett's armor, you know, and it's just the way it, it sets up the storyline perfectly. You're yeah. just like, oh, when you watch that episode on a on a, as a standalone, you're like, just a great episode, not acknowledging what happens going forward. The fact that it ends up being a prop piece set up to introducing Boba Fett back into the universe is even better. <laughs> the fact that Timmy Timothy Oliphant, <laughs> the dude that had his armor, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. So, yeah, I mean, what I was trying to say earlier, I think I was going to say was that this season, the way they capped the arc was like a to- a tombstone. Like, I, I'm super conflicted with them using Luke. On I told one you, hand, we're right back to the final episode and we're... Well, I'm not going to say in. much about Luke. I'm just going <laughs> to say that they used Luke and so, that... Embrace it, Broadcaster Nichols. It's our thing. We do this. It's just, it's kind of like 
damn dude like why do you have to bring him in because he's like he represents something that just shouldn't be leaned on anymore Mm. you know it's just like you have like we gotta stop doing this shit you know like Mm. the guy that plays han solo doesn't want to do star wars anymore the chick that played leia is fucking dead half the actors that were played the iconic characters are dead you know it's just you gotta stop you butchered luke's character in the the last trilogy it's like so when i saw when (laughs) when i saw i was about to play out i just i immediately was like doom i was like no 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 and then i saw the fight scene and i was just like i got a boner and i was just like oh fuck <laughs> yeah, yeah. Super good but it's a good way to end an arc with like no ifs and doubts about it like baby yoda is gone and that was what i was worried about to be honest, is that, man, how are you guys going to like do a season three and not make it about baby Yoda and take it even further? Maybe baby Yoda's not even in it now. Like, how are you going to recover from something like that? And they're just like, don't worry. It's Luke Skywalker's Padawan. You're not going to see any of that, but we're going to show you take him away. And it's just like, that's good enough. <laughs> it's enough of a fan service. Like he knew yeah. that it was like, that's a rock solid excuse right there. They won't question it. <laughs> mm-hmm the way Luke Skywalker was portrayed was very George Lucas because they could have portrayed Luke in many different ways in this episode. If they wanted to, they specifically chose to go with the old school George Lucas original trilogy, Obi-Wan Kenobi style Jedi. This to me was very specific in saying this is our Luke Skywalker. This is the this is the Luke Skywalker that you wanted in the Last Jedi, but you didn't get that you got perverted. This is the wholesome version that you actually wanted, and here it is in the Mandalorian. And yeah. John Favreau gives you a big giant hug. For sure. And I think what kind of what it is, you know, because essentially it's just Luke from Return of the Jedi with obviously some CGI because well. they can't make Luke that. The, the only the only difference that, and I picked up on it almost immediately was his robe. Mm-hmm. His robe looked like a Sith Lord robe. It was pure dark. Like that's not something. And I think he might have had a dark robe in Return of the Jedi, but I, I don't know. Just seeing it in more HD now and in more modern uh, terms, it's just like I was like, is this Luke or is this a Sith Lord? <laughs> like what, what's going on here? But then I saw the glove and shit, and I and I saw the lightsaber hilt, and I was like, oh, this has to be Luke, but. Mm-hmm. I can just imagine John in the in the writer's chair at the studio, just with his small writer's glasses on, looking at the script that an executive, a revision script that the executive just handed him, like what they want Luke to look like in the last episode. And he just kind of looks at, and he just kind of looks at him vaguely, and he goes, "I'd rather not." Just <laughs> 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 pass it back to him. <laughs> well, God bless that man, because when we first find out that a Jedi is coming for baby Yoda. So there's an episode with Ahsoka and Ahsoka gives this really bizarre explanation as to why she won't train baby Yoda, but purposefully kind of sets up like, Oh, Hey, take him to this planet with a temple and he'll call another Jedi and he'll come train him. And I'm just like, this is weird. This this is weird for multiple reasons. One of which is that if you watch the clone wars cartoon, Ahsoka Tano revered Yoda like a God. So if Ahsoka Tano just came across a baby Yoda that needed training, her eyes would light up like an anime girl. Yeah. And I mean, she I get was what you're cold saying, as fuck to him. Jedi like, aren't like that, you know? 
Like they, they're like fucking, they're beholden to the force, like some grand spiritual nature. If it tells them like, it's not right. Like they're totally going, you know? So like, yeah. I get what you're saying, but at the same time, it's totally cliche for a like someone obviously worthy of training someone or whatever situation you want to say, just being like, no, I'm not the right one. It's mm-hmm. totally Jedi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, sh- she has the fulcrum at this point in the show and she Did, gets she? the fulcrum in Rebels, a, a, another cartoon that I never watched. So I have no idea. Someone told me she loses it. I don't know about that. I never watched Rebels, but I know clearly based off her white lightsabers that she has the fulcrum in Mandalorian. And maybe the fulcrum changes your personality because the Ahsoka Tano I know from the original Clone Wars was kind of a kid. She had regular lightsabers. She had like, you know, a little peppy attitude and she fucking loved her some Grandmaster Yoda. So maybe it changed when she got the fulcrum and she became sort of different. The Sith artifact she has, right? I'm not clear on that exactly. I just know it's some sort of artifact that empowered her lightsabers and like changed her as a person somehow. I know it changed her. I know it like a, like gave her like some ascendant personality or whatever like that. But I thought the white lightsabers were separate. I thought those were two synthetic Sith lightsaber mm. crystals. She turned from red to white with the will of her force. Well, that could be true. Like I said, I've never watched Rebels, so I don't know exactly how it happens. I just assume that the fulcrum is what gave her the white lightsabers. Oh, because she yeah, gets the white lights. She gets the white lightsabers at the exact same time as she gets the fulcrum. So it's at least connected in some way. There's no way it's not. Yeah. I didn't watch rebels either, but I know Ahsoka. I think Ahsoka has quite the character arc progression in rebels. Like that's what I've heard too. Character. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, she sends them to this other planet where we eventually meet Boba Fett and the show just goes like into 11. And <laughs> yeah. From there on, <laughs> you just have a constant erection, the rest of Mandalorian from here on out. But you get to this point and you're like, well, wait a second. Baby Yoda gets to this altar. He calls upon the Jedi and he clearly gets his message out towards the end of the episode. And you're like, okay, a Jedi is coming for baby Yoda. And you start to think to yourself, I've seen every star Wars movie. I know what Jedis are alive. Who could this be? There are only two options, right? Other than Ahsoka, Yoda and Luke. Mace Windu. Okay. Well, <laughs> maybe I, as far as I know, uh, Darth Sidious murked Mace Windu, but maybe I'm wrong. And maybe, uh, grief Karga sh- th- showed up in a speeder and saved him falling from the, the skyscraper. I don't know. I'm pretty, I'm pretty damn sure. Like, obviously when all this, this comic was made after that, everything got turned into legacy, but there is a comic out there that oh. says Mace Windu survived. Uh-huh. So. Ah, interesting. I I hadn't heard of that. I didn't even consider Mace Windu. And one thing I'm really hoping for from season three is that because it's gonna, it's obviously gonna focus on Bo Katan and this whole like we're taking back Mandalore and we're getting the dark saber back and all this bullshit. I am hoping that we finally get an explanation as to why Revan wears a Mandalorian mask. I want to know. I've wanted to know know this for so long. Is it Darth Revan and Jedi Knight Revan? They both do. What? Mandalorian. Is it like one? Are you? Are you? you, Dude, it's a man. 
Have you looked at? Um, oh, dude, you need to go. I know, back it has, like, I know it has the T kind of cross type of thing you're talking it's about. It's a Mandalorian. It mask. supposed to be a Mandalorian helmet. It is a Mandalorian mask. It a hundred percent is. Huh. There is no doubt about it. He wears a Mandalorian mask. I want to know why. And I've wanted to know why for like 16 years. I've been wanting the answer to that question. I feel like there is a good chance we're going to finally get it because of how focused this feels like on Mandalore in season three. That we might get some sort of lore and we might find out, oh, Revan was like an ancient Mandalorian that like did this or that and just he like switched sides because the Mandalores were at war with the Jedi and maybe he became a Jedi and turned his back on Mandalore and maybe he realized he was an idiot for doing that then became Darth Revan you know like there's a way to explain it I just really wanted to explain because it's like one of those weird red herrings in the Star Wars universe I've never gotten over every time I see Revan or Darth Revan I'm like, why the fuck are you wearing that mask? Where did that come oh, from? Wow. Yeah, you are right. It actually, it's actually a female Mandalorian's helmet that was part of the Mandalorian Wars of thirty-nine seventy-three BBY, mm-hmm. and Rep found it on the shores of where that chick died during his investigation into finding out about the genocide of the Cathar species, which is a giant cat species. Mm-hmm. It's a lion species yeah it's cat people (laughs) yeah well anyway you nailed that like (laughs) you were so confident i couldn't believe that so what do you think about the baby yoda controversy this season so he his name ends up being grogu which everyone hated like as soon as they said his name was grogu everyone then was like "Eh, i'm calling him baby yoda so fuck you another reason why i was talking about it earlier how the why they used luke to get rid of him they had to it was the only bullet that would work <laughs> well the, that's not the only reason they, they got upset baby yoda likes to eat babies a lot of babies and there was a two episode stretch episode two <laughs> and episode three where he eats like seven of these baby frogs right in front of the mom like it's like the mom is looking to make sure you're not stealing cookies out of the cookie jar. And as soon as she moves her head, you'd stick your hand in and grab some cookies. That's what he was doing with baby frog larvae from a jar that they were supposed to be transporting safely yeah. as a mission. This turned off a lot of Twitter. Twitter was not happy with Twitter baby Yoda. Turn off Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what's that uh, term? When you see faces in the clouds, <laughs> I, I don't know the term, but I think people saw Grogu eat those fucking tadpole eggs and they're like, oh, genocide. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, okay, yeah, that's just you projecting your human emotions onto that. But really, that's life. We all eat baby animals to some extent what do you think chicken eggs are what do you think happens when uh you're eating shrimp or something like they're not well they might be adult shrimp i'm not sure i might be talking my ass right there but nonetheless i'm just saying it's just life you're just and it's a fictional character (laughs) what are fish eggs what's caviar like what are we talking about here cognitive dissonance is a hell of a drug broadcast it's so weird it's yeah, it also they're just, um, were they like too sentient? 
was they were just like too alive for them. Like you got like we're in a world where people are saying pro-choice is the the high moral road, right? The high ground. But mm-hmm. it's weird for a fictional alien to eat some fucking undeveloped fucking tadpoles in their yeah. eggs sacks. What's it's it's food. <laughs> it's fucking food to him. Broadcaster Nichols, are you trying to tell me that the progressive left isn't consistent with their beliefs? It just is mind boggling. <laughs> like you can only get so hypocritical until you like you do so many backflips and you get you lose all the blood out of your nose and you're just kind of fucking <laughs> left there. Yeah. That was my favorite part of Baby Yoda in this entire season is the part that everyone didn't like with the, the tadpole eating frenzy thing it was the least active or the least uh like actiony episode either (laughs) yeah and i was kind of disappointed with baby odin season two because i thought season one set him up to be like a sith like i really honestly thought that we were gonna get into season two and mando was just gonna find out that baby yoda was a sith and he was gonna be like oh fuck i've been escorting a sith Yoda around and he was just going to go dark side. But what ends up happening is that he goes even more docile, even more babyish, does way less stuff, but with one exception, he eats lots of tadpole eggs. And that that added like the dark edge to season two that would have otherwise been missing because in season one, you had him force choking people. Well, yeah, that and Ashoka to, uh, warned uh, Jin 2, right? He told like the relationship is that is that of, you know, the first steps of going down the dark side, mm-hmm. you know, having so much love for one person and passion for one person. So I, I don't know. They kind of, <laughs> it might be a soft step. And again, you know, like we're all, we're kind of questioning where this fits in the star Wars line storyline. So maybe like the final explanation to where like, this uh padawan ship goes is that luke actually ends up finding out that this baby is fucking evil tries killing luke or something Mm -hmm. (laughs) that'd be dope to be honest yeah where's that book baby yoda grows up and tries taking on luke (laughs) (laughs) i I, want to see it (laughs) and and when you were talking about like how you're like oh I'm glad that baby Yoda's gone and Luke showed up to take him away. And Mando season three is going to have no baby Yoda. I think you're wrong about that, dude. I think baby Yoda and CG Luke is going to be in season three. In Get a the big fuck way. out of here, dude. I no do. way. No I do. way. I do. That will but... kill the series for me so bad. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be the main focus. I think they're going to be involved in a way that at least, at least includes a couple of episodes. That's my guess could be wrong but well is that this season seemed to be super heavy on setting up a bunch of characters right and we know just based on the end credit scene for this one which is kind of dumb how they did it i will not lie that's not something they should put at the end of fucking credits but it's a spinoff it's the book of boba fett or the book of fett or whatever they said right that's kind of implies to me that they're going to be losing a lot of the characters from second season going into the third season. Like Fett's going to be his own show. Some of the voice, some of the actors from the season are going to be voice acting on animations. Like the one that played Fennec, the chick that played Fennec. I always forget her name. Um, Oh, the, the Asian chick from SGU. 
Yeah, she's going to play the actual animated version of herself in The Bad Batch. And then there's a couple other Star Wars spinoffs that are potentially going to happen, like Obi-Wan and stuff. And, you know, it's already uh, Tamara. Uh, I think that's his name, Tamara, the guy that actually acts as Boba, the voice actor for all the clones and stuff. He's going to he's billed to be an Obi-Wan because there's going to be some clones. Mm-hmm. So he's he's billed to play some captain or something like oh, that. I'm sure. So, so obviously, like all the characters they got, are kind of going to be spread out into their own IPs, I think. So yeah. you might be right. Luke might come in to fill that void and baby Yoda might come in to fill that void too. But damn it. I just, if that is the case, then season three needs to be the last season. I do not want to see like the Mandalorian just go like, it's just, it's going to be, I could see it living way too long. This hokey Yoda Mando relationship. I think that, we're going to see John Favreau retcon Luke to the point where it is undeniable that Last Jedi isn't canon anymore. I think that John Favreau is in league with George Lucas, and I think George Lucas does not like the Disney trilogy, and I think he has marching orders to retcon <laughs> Luke Skywalker. I think we're going to see some shit with Luke Skywalker in season three and with Baby Yoda. I don't know exactly what it's going to be, but it's going to completely invalidate the last Jedi version of Luke Skywalker. I'm going to say that you, you really want that to happen. I know you really want it to happen. All right. (laughs) You might, your emotions might be getting in the way, but maybe it'll have, I'm not sure. But the, the reason why I really think Yoda's not coming back is because something that really stood out to me. Boba Fett dropped him off on that ship at first on a Moth Gideon's cruiser. At first I thought that was strategical, but then he jumped away and then he never came back the whole episode. And I was like, Oh wow, Boba's just out. Okay. And then Luke shows up and I didn't think about it at first, but then at the end of the episode, I was like, wow, Boba Fett got technically killed by Luke. And this is the first time you've seen Boba <laughs> or Luke in a new IP and they didn't see each other. Uh, I was like, that, I was like, that must've been a very on purpose. Like maybe they're saving something, but then at the end of the credits, you find out that he probably is not going to be part of the next Mando season. He might be, but the fact that he's going to be an Obi-Wan, yeah, his like own Obi-Wan. show, I just I'm kind of leaning on the fact they're probably not going to use them for season three, which I mean, I don't know that just I don't think John is interested in uh, using any of the characters that were well, I just don't think John is is interested in bringing characters that aren't going to fit directly into the Mandalore storyline, you know, and Luke is a Jedi Knight. That is killed. Well, technically, none of the real Mandalorians like Boba Fett. So maybe that would give him some street cred on Mandalore. But even Bo-Katan kind of looked fucking like she shit her pants when Luke showed up. So mm-hmm. I don't know why they would kind of like let chill be chill with like Luke helping out Mando with this giant Mandalore mission next season. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't think that he's going to really be helping out. In fact, I think that there's a good chance that Luke might Side actually plot. be a villain against Mando in season three and that he might make baby Yoda choose between the two. I could see something like that happening, but that is, nah, I don't know. 
I just don't. I don't know about that. Well, what I Luke do like, know, I had like that Jedi moment with him. He's just like, I can tell you're a good person. He's waiting for your permission. You know, like, <laughs> you know, I don't think Luke sees Mando as a bad person, unless something happens in season three right off the bat that changes that dynamic. But yeah, God, I, I love that scene so much. I loved. I love that episode so much. I really don't mind the CG Luke at all. Like, I no, not at all, dude. <laughs> I, I was. It's so funny. You like? I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> when I first saw it with Moff Tarkin in uh, Rogue One, I was like, "Oh wow! Like that's interesting. Like I can't believe they can do that now. That's like that guy's been dead for twenty years, but like he's here in this movie. It's really interesting." Man. When I heard fire when ready again, I I had a tear in my eye. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I also had a tear in my eye when I found out that Carl Weathers was only in one episode this season. Yeah. Wow. But t- speaking of spinoffs, supposedly Carl Weathers and Cara Dune are going to be in uh, Old <laughs> Republic, our New Republic show. So we'll see how that goes. I've heard that rumor. I don't Sounds dumb. I don't think it's true. Yeah. I, but if you're giving Carl Weathers a Star Wars chance on his own show, I mean, I'm behind it. Let me tell you. You can I make like, a good... <laughs> I like Cara Dune, and she was a lot better this season than she was in season one, but she is not an actor. No. She is wooden as fuck, and she does not deserve her own show. And I think she... I mean, she has such an um, amount of like fan hype behind her. I I guess you can just give her a chance because she's yeah. not terrible. She yeah. might she might improve. Who knows? Yeah, and she recently oh. liked one of my tweets. So oh, like, boom. yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board with her and everything. <laughs> <The chance>. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that I don't see Disney Plus being like, oh, this super unwoke not PC MMA fighting woman. We're going to give her a spinoff series when she's really not that extraordinary of an actor or actress. We'll see. Uh, there's a lot of spinoffs. It's, it's spinoff season. Spinoffs everywhere. Yeah. That's kind of worries me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is just classic Disney move. We had something super successful. Let's milk the fuck out of it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, another thing is, I thought Mayfeld, uh, Bill Burr's character, was way better this season two because I thought he was super cringy in season one, but in season two, I actually really enjoyed his uh, his episode, which is like the second to last episode, I think. Right. It I think is. I think it is the Believer. No, Believer is the last episode. What's the one right before? It is the, the one right before it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Episode. Seven. That that scene with him and like the the admiral and the the mess hall where he was like talking about that battle where he like sacked an entire civilian pop- population. That was a great scene, wasn't it? Uh, for sure. That was yeah. actually probably the tensest moment in the series. Like as far as like you know that Quentin Tarantino like style fucking for sure. Like, I don't know what's about to go down here, but a lot of people are about to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good shit. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, 
uh also really like the uh the hero's journey of the razor crest in season two was that not like <laughs> that <laughs> ship went through some shit in season two Something we also went talked about off mic is the, the, a great sign of a series when you're really feeling something as insignificant as the ship in a series blowing up, like the Razor Crest, that fucking thing. As soon as it blew up, you're just like, no, no. <laughs> You've seen it for what? Less than two years? <laughs> it's not even like based on an iconic ship. Yeah. When, when you start to feel nostalgia for something that like you first discovered a year ago, you know it's good. <laughs> I think they just, it, the ship, like you said, it, the ship itself had a good story arc. It did. It yeah, got it, beat up, survived a lot of shit. <laughs> it it went from okay to nearly destroyed to okay to nearly destroyed to totally rebuilt to nearly destroyed to totally destroyed in like one season. It was really kind of crazy how much. It was, also, it was also really cool to see how distraught he looked. <laughs> it's yeah. just mo- Walking around the shipwreck, kicking shit over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you remember, uh, you remember in Trailer Park Boys early seasons of Trailer Park Boys where Ricky's dad was still involved, and Ricky's dad drove like a really shitty car that like barely worked and fell apart. Yeah, that's what the the Razor Crest reminded me of, like the Star <laughs> Wars version of that that car. I feel like him and Ricky. <laughs> that's that true ricky's the, car was the exact same way good point <laughs> yeah it, yeah it reminds me of that like that that razor crest was like is old betsy right but it was a piece of shit that was literally on the verge of death every moment you ever piloted it that's what it felt like yeah you grew with it that's mm-hmm. for sure he never got his ship back no or he never got another one yeah, season three ends basically, or season two ends basically with uh, his ship being destroyed. Him taking Boba Fett's ship as like a surrogate for the final three episodes. But then whoa, Boba whoa, whoa. Fett bounces. He never takes it. He hitches a ride. He uses it. Okay, whatever. You know what He's I'm saying. He's never in control of Slave One. <laughs> Razor Crest is replaced by Slave One for the final couple episodes of the season, but then Boba Fett bounces at the end of the finale. So he like detected that shit in the force. He's like, uh, I feel like my my head hurts. I'm gonna leave. <laughs> 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 <Fucking> bounce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so it's going to be interesting to see where Mando falls in season three in episode one. Like, is he is the first mission to find a new ship, or does he not give a fuck about ships anymore? Like, who knows? I guess I guess it really matters how it plays out between him and Bo Katan. Mm-hmm. Because, dude, oh man, before getting into the, like theoretic, uh, uh, you know, theories on how that's going to play out in season three, the way Moth Gideon's character is played to find, kind of put them pit them together in this tense moment that was super well done oh hell yeah and i hope we haven't seen the last of moth gideon i doubt because it. That, that was super well played they purposely made him live so that he would be able to come back like you could feel Talk it shit in that moment <laughs> yeah. yeah probably but it was nostalgia pie for most of this season <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you, it was super nostalgic. Was the the actual launching sequence of the Tie Fighter in Episode Ten mm-hmm. when they're 
like trying to trick them to keep the bay doors open or whatever. <laughs> that was super cool. Like okay. watching the black pilot, like get on the rail and the, the thing jiggles and he, <laughs> the red light turns on like that was super nostalgic. Yeah. And, uh, Boba Fett stealing the final third of the season was also pretty nostalgic because Boba Fett is being played by the original actor of Jango Fett from the prequels. And man, was that a stroke of genius. That was just, they got him right before he was too old to play the character. Like it was just in the nick of time. Cause that guy's getting old, but he's not that old yet, but he's on the verge of it. And they just caught him. And ironically enough, the guy that originally played Boba Fett just died. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of sad. That that was weird when I read about that. That was like right after I've watched like the second episode with Boba Fett yeah. and Mandalorian. I'm just like, damn, that's a weird timing coincidence. I mean, I don't want to speak for him and say at least he could live to see whatever I'm going to say. But I think it's cool at least he lived to see the. What's the word? the reprisal of Boba Fett, you know, like that's, I thought that was pretty cool. It was almost like a soul was waiting for it. (laughs) Yeah. And it was a good reprisal. It it wasn't like a, like some like, it wasn't like Gambit in the Wolverine. Okay. It wasn't like that. This was like a legit Boba Fett that literally stole the final third of the season. Like it was the Boba Fett show. And then, oh, spoiler alert, end credit scene in the final episode. There is a Boba Fett show coming soon. The Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> Not to mention, like, the, the tease for it is dope. Oh, God. Short and to the point. So sweet. <laughs> like, so sweet. I couldn't believe they did that. I don't know what that race is, but the fact that that right-hand man has been there the whole time, just becoming fat himself. Yeah. <laughs> He's like Boba and just gets blasted instantly. <laughs> like no character development at all. He's like, nah, you're dead. <laughs> this is my fucking yeah. den now. <laughs> just just seeing that room again, like as soon as the scene starts, you're like, oh fuck, it's Jabba. It's this is Jabba Hut's palace. Like yeah, as soon sure. as it starts, you're like, oh fuck. And then it goes right to the exact same room. I like when he had like that Twi'lex uh slave girl there and he and uh What's her name? Freeder. Freeder. I'm like, oh, that's that's like Slave Leia. You know what I mean? Like, it's oh yeah, nostalgia pie, man. This fucking show was nostalgia pie. The pose too just made it so much better. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Benic with the snipe rifle sitting on the armchair, and it's just like, dude, <laughs> did yeah. this series just end with Boba Fett sitting on Hut's throne? <laughs> What the fuck? He he stole it from Mando, man. He stole Mando's show. Honestly, Mando, I mean, he kind of had some ups and downs at the end of the season. I mean, he lost his ship. He lost Yoda. Um, Did he? No, nothing else got damaged. He has a spear, so he gained a spear. Um. And most importantly, he gained the dark saber and inadvertently became the leader of Mandalore. <laughs> so some ups and down. He lost his ship. He became a king. Whatever. <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. I'm sure he can get another ship. <laughs> yeah, that was quite a surprise, too, because like if you were to ask me like four episodes earlier, who's going to end <laughs> up with the dark saber? Mando was the last person I would have thought of. Well, just the fact that you see Bo-Katan before. Well, 
on the fact that you see the dark saber in season one and then they introduce bo katan and midway into season two it's only almost everyone would think where they were going with that right mm-hmm. twist yeah. it was a twist yeah and uh speaking of twists i really like katie sackoff as starbuck in battlestar galactica i did not like her as bo katan what about you I don't really, I didn't really care. I don't really, I don't. To be honest, I don't really like her as an actor too much. She seems cool. Seems like a really cool chick. But it, all of her, I'm not a Battlestar Galactica fan. I'll just put that out there right now. So, uh, uh, but every time I've seen her in something, she always kind of, she's like a little bit above a B movie actor for me. She's not schlocky. But she's not quite there for the triple A scene for me. <laughs> That's just my take. She was all right in Riddick. I think she was I in Riddick. I she, think that might be because you saw her titties. I think she was good in everything in her early career. I think she forgot how to act at a certain point. Yeah. I don't know well, when that point was, but she was good in Battlestar. She was good in Riddick. She's not good in this. Her overacting, especially in the final episode, but also in the first episode, she was in like episode three or whatever. She overacts horribly in this show. Yeah. Did you watch her interview about bo No, I didn't. That might explain it to you, because now know. that you're saying this, it makes total sense the way she was talking about bo She She said that bo is like pretty much the opposite of her in real life and what most of her characters typically are, which are like kind of like out there going high energy people. And she said, bo really like calm and calculated and not really like her at all. So she quote unquote, she's like, she had to try really hard to get into the character of bo yeah. well, <laughs> so Maybe yeah. you picked up on that. <laughs> yeah. She maybe tried she a little play. too hard. I think. Yeah, I could see that. She, I don't really know Bo-Katan that much, you know. So I thought when I saw her playing Bo-Katan, I just thought that kind of who was that's who Bo-Katan was, just kind of like an over the top yeah. type of leader person. Yeah, try hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was. She, I think she's the only cringy character in Mandalorian. Like in. Cara Dune sometimes flirts with it, but I don't think she's cringy. I think Cara Dune just isn't a great actress, but I think the character's good, and I think for the most part, we're good there. I I find Bo-Katan cringy, and I I don't want to. I really don't, because I like Katie Sackhoff, but I don't know what happened. I think it's just because I think it's her serious face. That's <laughs> it for me. She kind of like... uh does the like the sour face a little bit yeah just ever so slightly when she gets into serious mode her lips start to curl in a little bit and she kind of like you know like ever so slightly but you see it it's kind of cheesy to me so yeah well what wasn't cheesy prison put your mean face on (laughs) yeah (laughs) give me something not impressive (laughs) yeah and i could totally see katie sackoff like starring in like season seven of orange is the new black like she seems like like a really strong lesbian and female prison type character not lesbian (laughs) (laughs) from your mouth to god's ears broadcaster nichols (laughs) 
I could have swore. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the documents. I just got those vibes. <laughs> well, I got some vibes from seeing Slave One in like what four different space battles. What about that sound that fucking EMP blast made? Oh, dude. It's so funny, too, because I was watching it with my wife, and right as he was going up and, like, setting that EMP missile up, I'm like, oh, dude, he's about to use the EMP bomb. Watch this, Rachel. He's about to use the EMP bomb. And he used it, like, ten seconds later. I'm like, oh, shit. This John Favreau literally is tapped into my brain, and he knows what I want at any given time, and he just dials it in. I think the the real sad part to that is that Star Wars fans have just been deprived of anything authentic for yeah. a long time. That's true too. And that's sort of the danger with the shows. Like I feel like because we've been starving for good Star Wars for so long, maybe we're overrating Mandalorian a little bit. But man, like when I step back objectively and I like try and think, what episode of television? excited me more than episode eight of Mandalorian season two in like the last 10 years. And I try and think, and I'm like, okay, maybe the red wedding from game of Thrones season four, maybe, but I'm not even sure if that compares, man. I don't know. I thought episode one of season one really just set the, the pace for that show. I just, I can't, when you, when he goes into that Moss Isley, and oh, he yeah. sees all those stormtroopers helmets on pikes. And you're like, you're kind of getting this, like the death throes of the empire vibe. And he's walking through this greasy area. And then none other than fucking, uh, Warner Herzog is playing some greasy ass fucking <laughs> mafia leader, leader. And he just delivers that iconic line. That I don't think anyone will ever forget when he's just like bounty hunting is a dangerous profession. <laughs> and it's Werner Herzog. And you're just like, Oh dude, I just got hard. What, <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> I wish that guy could have lasted longer in the show. Me too. It was, it was a crime to see him get killed yeah. off so soon. Yeah. Well, before- or is he killed? before we move on I want to ask you one simple question was this post credit finale scene the greatest post credit scene of all time go I don't know I'm not a connoisseur of post credit scenes I guess it's probably the best one I've seen so far (laughs) I'm not a real connoisseur of post credit scenes though what well, would be your of, second one to give me some type of idea? Well, well, most of them come from Marvel movies. This like is every, true. every single MCU movie has a post credit scene. So I guess just look at those. And I think MCU basically invented the post credit scene. <laughs> I don't know if they did or not, but I feel like they did. And most of them suck. And like the one that's the one that pisses me off the most is the post credit scene in infinity war part one, even though I love infinity war part one, the post credit scene is basically what sets up captain Marvel. And it was like pointless. It was stupid. It was like 30 seconds long. And the whole point of it was be like, Oh look, captain Marvel's coming. Oh, Oh yeah. That's the one where, um, Samuel L. 
Samuel just disintegrates and on the beeper it's fucking Captain Marvel symbol or whatever. Yeah, that was dumb. That was yeah. fucking dumb. I cringe yeah. so hard on that Again, one. It's probably and this isn't probably coincidence, or is it? You know, yeah, Iron Man's post scene where uh none other than Samuel again shows up in that diner where uh RDJ is like hung over as fuck, eating a donut or whatever. <laughs> and he's like, We got this Avengers program. And he's like, get the fuck, get that file the fuck out of my face. <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> that was probably a pretty cool just like because of what it was setting up any comic nerd was like holy shit we're getting an avengers movie but you know yeah i think that was more of just like hype than anything i well, think that was the, the, age I think of the boba cut scene the- sitting on on hut's throne is uh, i think that's probably the best fan service after credits cut scene we've ever gotten <laughs> i fuck fuck fan service i'm just saying from a pure cinematic standpoint best post-credit scene ever Oh shit, we're in fucking Jabba the Hutt's palace. Oh shit, Boba Fett is just casually gonna walk down here and assassinate <laughs> the the fucking number two guy of Jabba the Hutt and just sit in his throne. And then, oh, by the way, uh, what's her name? Like Renick something? I forget what her name is, but the, the Asian girl who plays Boba Fett's squeeze, basically. She just, like, I think you alluded to this earlier. She just sits up and then, like, kind of sits her ass on the arm of the chair and just gives this smirk. And I'm just like, fuck. Fuck yes. Fuck yes. And then it says, the book of Boba Fett. coming. I'm just like, wow. Like you, I'm so okay. You kind of running through it though, kind of just made me realize how shanty of an operation was going on there. It's like two guards, <laughs> and the slave chick, and him sitting on the chair, and a couple droids, I think, or not droids, but there were like a couple other other species of something I forget, but not a lot of people. I think there was less than ten people yeah. in that whole palace. It reminded me of Star Trek. So, like in Star Trek, we have a night crew. Where, like, <laughs> normally you have John Luke Picard on the bridge with Riker and, and Jordy and Data. But on the night shift, you have a bunch of ensigns and, like, maybe 50% personnel as normal. That's what it felt like in uh, Jabba the Hutt's palace at this point. It's like Boba Fett showed up during the night shift and just took out, like, the ensign who's sitting on the <laughs> It's like he went up to Fennec and he was just like, "Are you sure we can raid this place?" He's like, "Don't worry, it's off hours." Walks <laughs> through the front door. Yeah, favorite episode, broadcaster Nichols. That is a tough one. I'm gonna say, oh man, episode four was good. It was great. Seeing Ahsoka was awesome. Seeing fucking Sean Connor was awesome. <laughs> Seeing the, the Thrawn drop was pretty cool. But was it as cool as seeing Boba Fett come back? <laughs> I don't think so. I think that episode was cooler. But was that episode cooler than the last episode? Mm-hmm. It's a hard and choice, I isn't it? Think, I think episode 10, honestly, is the best episode. Episode 8. Oh, sorry. Yeah, episode yeah. 8. Sorry. I don't know why I think it's a 10-episode series. Yeah, but episode 8. I yeah. think it's just... And it's hard to say it because it's like... It just takes off after episode 4. You're like... You watch episode 4 and you're just like, it's not going to get better than this. You watch episode 5. 
it's not going to get better than this. <laughs> then you got six, seven. You're like, those are good episodes. But then you get eight. Yes. <laughs> it's like, well, uh. so I'm going to say episode eight is the best episode. Yeah. I can't, you can't contend with it. No. You got a full blown fucking Jedi droid dark. You got full blown Luke versus an army of dark troopers. Invincible dark troopers. Yeah. Yeah. Dark trooper 2.0. And not only that, he made them look like play toys. Oh yeah. And not, not only that, but the footage, the way it was shot, the way you see the Jedi come in, doesn't explain himself. Everyone kind of gets this look on their face. Like what the hell's going on? And the way they make him look kind of like a Sith, but he has a green lightsaber. You just get to get this ominous feeling, not knowing exactly who it is as he mows down everything. You're like, is this guy going to be on our side? <laughs> yeah. It was just so fucking cool. Yeah. I don't I, Yeah. I can't top it. Yeah. And I really liked how they made it obvious who it was if you're an old school Star Wars fan. But if you're like someone that just started with the Disney Star Wars and you're like, like a new Star Wars fan, you had no idea who this was until the very last second when he dis when he shows up and shows his face. But if you were an old school fan, you saw his glove and you knew instantly. I love that about this, the way they portrayed this because they show you the glove at the very beginning. And then all of a sudden they start showing you just raping these dark troopers and these security cam footage. And you're just like, Oh shit. (laughs) Fucking Luke Skywalker is throwing down. But a lot of people don't know who that is not a lot but some you know a chunk of people there are a lot of new star wars fans that have never seen the original trilogy that have only watched the disney star wars movies which is sad for sure well they're young too they just you know like you can't expect us to watch shit super out of our time you know unless it's just something we're into yeah well star wars was out of my time when i grew up and i still watched it but yeah i get your point (laughs) yeah they actually it's continued too because if you think back to it when the the x-wing first comes in and they're just like it's just one x-wing that in itself is an old quote isn't it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. so it's like you really think back to it it's like there's a lot of call outs almost immediately to set it up <laughs> oh yeah yeah and, and personally speaking as soon as i saw the x-wing i yelled it's luke to my yeah. wife while I was in the room. <laughs> I didn't even need to see the glove. I knew as soon as I saw the X-Wing. Yeah. You know, also, did he do some type of force persuasion on the Dark Troopers? He, dude, what he, was that? He, they detected him. And okay. they're like... <laughs> Great point. I, I'm glad you brought this up because I was totally going to forget to talk about this. Luke used several force powers in this. Yeah, for sure. He used a mass force persuasion at the very beginning to sort of reset the robots into being confused and not really knowing what's going on. He then used force push. He used force disorient and he used force choke. Now and the, crush. And in force crush. He used two dark side attacks in this scene and this was one of the most eyebrow raising moments of the entire season two because as i'm watching him force choke and force crush the dark droids or whatever they're called i'm sitting here thinking holy shit luke skywalker's using dark force powers baby yoda uses dark 
force powers. Luke Skywalker is here to rescue baby Yoda. Yeah. Another thing that John just pays respects to the canon too, because a canon or sorry, the, the legacy and everything after the trilogy, Luke does embrace the dark side a little bit. He does. Yeah. So it's like, that was him paying homage to that. He's just like, look, Luke's going to pull some fucking dark side. Move. It's yeah. just so cool. Dude. Like, again, like this is like the best version of Luke that everyone wanted to begin with. Remember when you remember when you saw the redone version of Darth Vader scene in Rogue One mm-hmm. from and you just thought, what is it ever going to get better than this? <laughs> that like, what you saw in Mandalorian, that was like the equivalent. You're yep. just like, oh, my God, <laughs> totally. what am I watching right now? <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. That that final episode was fucking magic. And uh that's why we both agree on it pretty unanimously. But least favorite episode, I have a feeling we are not going to agree on. Broadcaster Nichols, what is your least favorite episode of season two? Um, well, it's definitely not one. It's definitely not <laughs> ten. It's definitely not, or sorry, it's definitely not eight. If it weren't so, for eight, one would have been my favorite episode. By the way. Right, what about you? What would have been your second favorite after eight? Would it have been one? Uh, no, probably would have been four or five. Mm. Ahsoka or Boba Fett's return. That's probably what mine would have been before. Boba Fett's return was six. So first episode is... Well, not the allu- not the allusion to it. I mean, like, when Boba Fett shows up, when Baby Yoda's, like, calling to the Jedi on the mountain. That's episode six. I thought Ahsoka, the return of Ahsoka... That was is episode, episode five. What's episode four then? That's the one where the Mandalorian, uh, Bo Katan, they go after. Or wait, no, that's episode three. Episode. No, oh, episode four is the one where they go back to uh, Cara Dune's planet and they invade that uh, Empire station. Oh, yeah, and they find the clone, the clone tie in thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah remember, yeah, like, yeah. they're like escaping from the facility and like TIE fighters come after them in the canyon. That was a sick yeah, episode, I too. I forgot about that. Oh, <laughs> they brought back the, the alien from the original episode, the first episode, too. The one yeah. you fucking was in Kryptonite. Yeah, dude. <laughs> that guy's pretty cool, too. I like that actor. <laughs> yeah, this was a great season of television. Like, even the worst episode is still really good by most standards. Well, now you now that we're clarified that I would probably say episode two is probably my least favorite. Ice Planet. Yeah, it's still a good episode. It just kind of not a lot know. happened compared yeah, not to a lot the rest. Of and I don't like spiders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's for good reason. We grew up so, in behind I enemy lines. Ice spiders, and I say that's not possible, and I don't want it to be possible. <laughs> I'm gonna give the the thumbs down. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Yeah, yeah. I I think that episode two is my second least favorite, but my least favorite episode three, the heiress, and this is the episode where they show up. God damn it, broadcast! You're burying the lead. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So this is the episode where they deliver frog lady to her frog husband. (laughs) They said fraud. No. No. So basically, they it's like a a fishing planet. They land on a fishing planet, and it starts out with Baby Yoda getting thrown into like a shark tank, and uh, the fucking female Mandalorian Bo Katan shows up to save him. And you know, they go back to the bar and they talk and all this stuff. And 
the episode, I just didn't, I, for one thing, I think Bo-Katan sucks. I think Katie Sackhoff's performance of Bo-Katan is not up to par. I think she overacted the fuck out of it. I think her lackeys were also super cringy. The, I didn't, the, the hotter hench, or side Yeah, her side little, kick. yeah, her henchmen. I, I think they're cringy as fuck. And, She's over. And, and yet nothing happens other than Mando agreeing to go after this, like, ship that Bo-Katan wants to go after and he helps her that one part where all of them are using their jetpacks to land on this shuttle that's leaving the planet that was the only part of the episode I liked and that was a really cool part of the episode and again this season of television is so good that I'm literally saying my least favorite episode is probably my most favorite of any other show but because you have to choose a worst episode, this is it for me. Because that's the only part of the episode I really liked was the part when they were going after that Empire ship at the very end. Other than that, that was, I, I thought that it was, was the episode, to be honest. Yeah, but that was only like the last 15 minutes of the episode, dude. Like the rest of the episode was kind of garbage, in my opinion. Yeah, it was. It, it, yeah, now that you're kind of explaining it. It is kind of a bad episode. I think I just kind of put more weight on that last 15 minutes to make it better in my mind. Mm-hmm. But you are right. Like the majority of the episode is kind of a throwaway. And then yeah. the mission at the end is the saving grace. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely was. If it weren't for that part, I would have I would have actually said this is just a genuinely bad episode for anything. But because of that last scene with that whole thing happening... In other shows, it's a great episode, but in Mandalorian, it's the worst because of just the high talent level of every other episode we're dealing with here. And I will admit, episode two, the spider episode that you picked, that's my next least favorite. It's pretty close, too. Like, it's kind of a toss-up for me, but I at least thought that episode two has some unique things going for it. First of all... Galactic Republic or New New Republic X-Wing fighters shoot down Mando into this ice planet and and strand him into this like ice cavern with these crazy evil spider creatures. It kind of reminded me of like the whole Wampa thing in Empire Strikes Back. That was cool to me. Yeah. But once you get past that, nothing happens in the episode. So I see where you're coming from. Especially when you compare it to the all the rest, like every other episode had a like kind of like this revealing moment, like even episode three, which is your least favorite, still had the reveal of Bo-Katan in itself. Right. Which is like, oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Uh, That being said, Broadcaster Nichols, as you know, here on the Crack Cellar, we have a little segment called the hit, the miss and the whiff. What is your hit? Uh, Din and Boba combo. No doubt about it. Mm. That's knocked out of the park. It was so <laughs> like it was that. That was like just it. Almost like once you saw it, it was almost too obvious it had to happen. Yeah, you're just like this is the coolest man or Mandalorian to come out since Boba. Like they have to meet, and it happened. Yeah. <laughs> Not only did it happen, but he was super cool to him. And he's like, nah, I'm going to help you out, bro. <laughs> I'm going to help you get your baby Yoda back. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's, it's weird to see Mando kind of almost have like this 
it might have just been convenient enough, a convenient deal for him. Maybe that's why he dipped out so quickly, you know, but it's kind of quite the contrast to what you know of Boba beforehand, you know, the guy that went into the Sarlacc and the guy that came out are kind of two different characters. Yeah, I would agree. Um, it's funny because have you ever, you, you have seen Code Geass, right? The anime Code Geass. Oh yeah. I'll tell you right now, uh, Fennec Shar or whatever her name is combined with Boba Fett, the way that that final, the best end post credit scene of all time, the way it ends with Boba Fett on the throne <laughs> with, with Fennec just sitting on the armchair smirking like that. You know what it reminded me of? It, well, remi- <laughs> it reminded me of Code Geass when Lelouch and Cece take down Britannia. And there's this moment where he's sitting on a throne and she's kind of sitting on the arm of the chair in the exact same way. Well, kind of the same smirk. Yeah. It totally reminded me of that. Throne shots are always just good. Good way to end things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, to means- round back to the point, my, my, my hit was definitely the, the Din Boba combo. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good. Uh, my hit was the great Luke Skywalker retcon of 2020. I think that Jon Favreau reached from the depths of hell and took the Rion Johnson Luke Skywalker and just dragged him straight down to hell and erased him from existence. And to me, that is the greatest thing that anyone could do for Star Wars right now. Because the portrayal of Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi is one of the most damaging things in Star Wars history, lore-wise. When, when I think of him, that scene where he like milks the alien cow and takes a big swig of it. You know what I'm talking about from, from The Last Jedi? I know what you're talking about. I don't think anyone can forget that. That scene scarred me in ways I cannot describe. It it damaged the character of Luke Skywalker in a way I didn't think was possible. You know why? Because I'm pretty sure Mark Hamill was actively going through the sorrow when he was (laughs) shooting that scene. You could see it in his face. Yeah, (laughs) dude. On that milk, <laughs> I think John Favreau hitting the reset button on that bullshit and bringing back this insanely badass version of Luke Skywalker is the greatest gift anyone could have ever done for a Star Wars fan. So for me, that has to be my hit. That being said, broadcaster Nichols, what is your miss? The miss. What is the miss in Mandalorian season two? Mm. <laughs> I know, man. Some a show this good, it's it's tough, but gotta reach. Um gotta dig deep, broadcaster Nichols. Dig deep. The real miss is Ahsoka. I think mm. her just kind of popping up in four to just kind of be like, Where's Thrawn? <laughs> <laughs> Where's Thrawn? <laughs> you know, it was awesome. <laughs> It was cool, like, especially before you see five, <laughs> you're like, how can it get any better than this? <laughs> but in the hindsight, you're just like, what a throwaway kind of moment for Mando. You know, mm-hmm. you're like, sure, you're maybe you're setting up 
obviously you're setting something up bigger, but what exactly are you throwing up, uh, setting up uh, Ahsoka and hunting down Thrawn spinoff series? Or is that going to be a subplot in one of your other numerous announced series? <laughs> or like, that may or may not actually happen. Yeah, like so the fact that it was a one-off episode and that we're not quite sure what it really is setting up and where it will be set up <laughs> is kind of just like I think that is the miss to be honest. Hmm. Interesting. But her performance was great. Seeing Ahsoka was awesome. It's hard to say what a miss is in this series. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I agree with you there. I It took me way less time to do my hit than it did my miss or my whiff for this one. So I had to dig deep. And when I dug deep on my miss, you know what I came up with broadcaster Nichols? Grand moth Gideon. Get the fuck out of here. Controversial opinion here. (laughs) I like the performance of the actor playing grand moth Gideon. I am disappointed with who Grand Moth Gideon ended up actually being. No doubt. So, no doubt. So when you look at the end of season one of Mando, the end is basically a TIE fighter being shot down, and from the wreckage, someone who appears to be a Sith rises from the wreckage and unleashes a Darksaber. And you're sitting here thinking, oh, fuck. We're, we're talking Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy, fucking Kyle Katarn, we're thinking like just pie in the sky. Who the fuck is this? He has a a dark saber. In the end, he's just some low level fucking moth who can't fight, who hides behind robots. Yeah, disappointing. I thought he was a really- Sith Lord, man. I thought he was a Sith Lord. And when I found out that he's a little bitch who's just like sitting there smirking, he's like, "Oh, my robots are gonna come save me." <laughs> I was disappointed by that. I will acknowledge your miss, but I will force you to put on the tinfoil hat for just a second. (laughs) Oh, shit. Here we go. Think about what you just said. I really expected him to be a Sith Lord. Wouldn't the most Sith Lord move to be what he did at end of season two to make everyone think he's a nobody make fucking Din take the saber from him when he knows Bo-Katan wants it, when he knows Bo-Katan's in his party, when he knows it's going to cause strife, and he knows that the deal is with her is to t- reclaim Mandalore. I don't know, man. Broadcaster Nichols. This shit right there. Broadcaster Nichols, that is the best counter you have ever given me to any of my misses in the history of this podcast. So I just <laughs> felt it was worth noting that because you are absolutely right. That is the absolute most Sith thing he could have possibly done. And when I think back on it now, the little smirks he was giving while this was happening makes me think you might be goddamn right. He's trying to hand the fucking Darksaber. He's like, no, 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 no. That's not how it works, bitch. <laughs> Won't you tell him, Bo? Tell him, Bo. <laughs> That's you know a real sick shit right there. <laughs> All right. You know what? I'm going to give this a conditional miss pending season three. That is kind of quite obvious that in that final fight scene with uh, Din and uh, Moth Gideon, they were totally trying to do a Luke Darth Vader fight. Oh, yeah. They totally set that. It was pretty well done. I could see what they were doing there. Yeah. That's honestly what made me think he was going to eventually be revealed as a Sith Lord at the end of this season. Mm-hmm. But uh, he didn't. Like, I did. I was there with you. I was kind of like, well, 
I really expected him to come out as being a Sith. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see what happens in season three. But uh, that being said, broadcaster Nichols, what is your whiff? Z whiff, Z whiff, Z whiff. The cloning, the cloning tie-in is probably oh, my whiff. Interesting pick. It just it was throwaway. It, did it was resolve. probably probably sure. was the most throwaway thing because especially when you're considering how they what were expecting them to take an arc format on and that this really was a conclusion you know and that there's not much to be left over on the plate maybe the one of the few things is this cloning tie-in but nonetheless it just kind of seemed like it went nowhere in fact yeah. it it, it went did go below, nowhere <laughs> it went below nowhere because yeah. it made the fans kind of go beyond speculation on why they even showed it they're like well is are those clones emperor clones is that what uh snoke was is they kind of look like snoke maybe we'll see a closer up version of it eventually or maybe they'll elaborate on how exactly yoda's baby yoda or grogu is being used to make these clones you know like the only thing you really got post that episode was Moth Gideon saying in the final episode that his blood is the source to rebalancing the universe, which makes you kind of think that it is the program to try to clone the emperor, you know, and that he's the, the origin point for the cloning program of the emperor. Mm. That's what I, that's what I thought, but they don't go anywhere with it. And you obviously in season three, you're going to get Mandalore and anything to do with baby Yoda seems to be pretty much if it, if it even shows up because I'm really questioning the budget the show has with that type of asset usage. <laughs> but nonetheless, if you do get anything, it's going to be with Luke training question mark. Mm. So are we going to get any explanation on how Yoda baby Yoda was being used for cloning for the empire? kind of makes it seem like it was a it was a um deliberate uh diversion they're like oh you're thinking it's going this way but now it's going this way (laughs) yeah you're gonna get instead (laughs) (laughs) yeah if if they just drop that whole storyline and we never get an answer to it i'm gonna agree with you I'm assuming that we're going to get some sort of answer in season three about that, but who knows? There definitely wasn't an answer in season two, though. Talk about a slow boil, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, I expected more of a conclusion to that arc as well. I do agree with you there. I was a little disappointed that we didn't get a little bit more information on what the fuck was going on with the baby Yoda vampire blood-sucking action going on on that ship. But uh, my whiff was very simple, straight lace, straight to the point. Katie Sackhoff's performance of Bo-Katan. I knew that was coming. <laughs> it, it, I could it, feel that in the force. <laughs> and let me preface this by saying, I probably already said this once, but I'm going to say it again. I am a huge fan of her performance as Starbuck. In Gla- Battlestar Galactica, she was really, really good. She's this is- probably really excited to hear that <laughs> she she was one of the best characters in Battlestar Galactica and there's a lot of great characters in that show and she's one of the better ones this is not like a a woman hater thing this is not like this is not some sort of oh he just hates women I like Katie Sackhoff I thought she sucked in this she overacted every scene she was in 
It was embarrassing, man. I felt bad for her. <laughs> Damn. Damn. But I'm glad she is. Don't log on to Twitter. She's stamping those Disney paychecks, and God bless her. You know, you 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 take that money from Mickey Mouse and you run. I agree yeah, with no, you there. Anytime a non PC actor take gets Disney checks, I'm like fucking run away with it. Yep, yep. <laughs> Never look yep. back. Yeah, her 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 and Cara Dune can both run away to Lesbian Island and rub their Disney dollars together. And I mean, uh, it's not quite my thing, but I watch it. <laughs> I, I would subscribe to that OnlyFans. So that being said, broadcaster Nichols, as you know, here on the Crack Cellar, we have a official patented Joker rating system that we use for every single review we have done since the inception of the Crack Cellar podcast. On that system, broadcaster Nichols, what do you rate season two of The Mandalorian? Uh, I'm gonna give that a Wakanacon Phoenix. <laughs> oh shit, a Wakanacon Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know how I could not give it anything else, or I could give it anything else. Is season two is fucking just was a grand slam, dude. It wasn't a home run. Yeah, it wasn't a two hitter. It was stellar. It was a four pointer, bro. <laughs> Bases loaded. Fucking <laughs> yeah, home run. <laughs> Yeah, it it is singularly one of the greatest seasons of television of all time. It competes with any just like everyone has their own favorite show list, obviously. Everyone has one. A lot of people think Lost is the greatest show of all time. A lot of people think Game of Thrones is the greatest show of all time. A lot of people think The Sopranos are the greatest show of all everyone had this Wait, season singularly. Sopranos isn't the greatest show of all time right now? Is that what you're trying to tell me? What I'm trying to say is that this season of Mandalorian blows everything out of the water that I can think of in recent modern history and maybe just the entire history of my life. I racked my brain to try and think of one single season that contained this quality, and I couldn't think of one. And the closest thing I could come to was Game of Thrones. And I don't think Game of Thrones lives up to it. I think that we just witnessed one of the greatest television seasons of all time. And that's why I give this a hard in the paint Joaquin Phoenix. Like a a definitive Joaquin Phoenix. The definition of an S rank. I'm saying like full face paint. Full. <laughs> yeah, this this is an early joe queen phoenix like the beginning of joker this is at the end when he's putting a bullet in robert de niro's head four-man comedian joaquin phoenix right this is fucking self-confidence red suit joaquin phoenix (laughs) (laughs) and with that we will close out it's actually quite passable it's (laughs) 